Absolutely. That's why girlfriends are so important. And, you know, you can't expect your mate to be everything to you. That, you know, that is a fantasy and an unfair demand on your mate. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman explains how to deal with an emotionally unavailable husband. Stay tuned. If you've listened to this podcast, you know we love our wine club, and we're going to shamelessly plug it again. This year, our wine club partner, Touring and Tasting, is celebrating their 20th anniversary and are offering special deals and discounts on top of their already existing deals and discounts throughout the year. We love the Hitched Wine Club because it's a monthly reminder to slow down and reconnect. Yes, date night ideas are included with each shipment. We have several different levels of the wine club, from the happy couple of marital bliss to soulmates and happily ever after. Right now, you can join the happy couple wine club level with your first shipment 50% off, bringing the total to under $25. And the shipping is always free. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Visit hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of hitchedmag.com. I am joined once again with the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hey, Steve. How you doing? I am doing great. Um, we are going to talk today about an issue uh, that might be uncomfortable for some men, um, but I think it's also an issue that a lot of women will be interested in, and that is how to deal with an emotionally unavailable husband. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, you know, I guess I don't know. I, I like to dig around and find some statistics and stuff on things like this. So I don't know what the percentage of emotionally unavailable men are out there or husbands out there. Uh, but it is a real issue. I see it every day on our website. Um, so let's first talk about where this comes from or how it can evolve. And my first question for you is, can emotional unavailability pop up later in the relationship or marriage? Or is this typically something that was there all along? I think that if it pops up later in the relationship, it's probably situationally related. Okay. Um, but I think that if somebody is unavailable, it's probably more in their personality. Um, and it was probably there right in the beginning, but you know, you've got that period in the beginning where you've got your love goggles on uh -huh. and you don't really see it because everybody's putting their best foot forward. And so in the beginning, the guy is, you know, trying to be available, uh, you know, relate, connect, whatever way you want to put it. And he may put a good enough job on that, uh, you know, put up, put out good enough, uh, connection that he looks like he's available. But again, um, if you really, if you want to see it, it's, it's really there. And there's a very interesting thing that I heard at a conference once that if a gal is going out with somebody who has trouble making a commitment to her mm -hmm. and she feels like, you know, I want to stay with him. We can work this through whatever. 
she might eventually get him to say, okay, let's get hitched. Um, but if he couldn't make a commitment to her in general, then that man is also not going to be able to make a commitment to her emotionally. So, um, you know, she might actually get him to the altar, but he's not going to really be emotionally available to her. This actually brings up an interesting point slash question. So you pointed out in the, in the beginning of the relationship, it might be that the man, whatever his motives may be, uh, is putting forth an effort that let's say feigns emotional availability. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if it might not be there, he's, I guess, putting forward the effort to act like uh, he's, emotionally connecting with her or showing interest right. and, and listening is if, if you are a person who isn't, I guess that type of person, um, is it okay to just fake it like that? If that's what your spouse is demanding of you? I mean, can, uh, if you're not an emotionally available person, is this an inherent thing that people should be emotionally available or is it okay for people to be, like, is there something wrong with you, I guess, is my question, if you are an emotionally unavailable person? Is there is there almost always some sort of issue that needs to be worked out and which is why you're emotionally unavailable? Well, I think that emotional availability is the ability to connect with people, to interact in um, a deep kind of a way. And if you are not able to do that, then I do think that there's something getting in the way of you being able to do that. Um, You know, there are different levels, there are different degrees, just like there's different degrees of anger, there are different degrees of intimacy, there, you know, everything is on a a different level. And, you know, how much emotional connection or availability does one want? Um, You know, when you talk about feigning it or faking it, um, there's a smile on my face because I don't think that somebody tries to fake it, I think that what happens is that, again, in the beginning of a relationship, you're asking questions about the other person, you're showing an interest in what they're doing, um, and the partner, the woman, takes that as, oh, you see, he really does care. And because she is smitten, because she is so interested in the person, she's not really looking carefully and saying, well, he's not really sharing with me. You know, um, you know, she is perhaps misreading what he's offering and saying, you know, oh, yes, you know, sure, he's involved with me. Um, You know, he asks questions, you know, he he shows an interest, but doesn't really look beyond that. So she's really, in that instance, seeing something that's not there. She's seen him as emotionally available when he's really just asking questions. Right. I'm working with somebody now who I believe the husband is totally not emotionally available. And when I asked her about what was their relationship like when they were first going out, she said, well, he was always the quiet type. So to me, that was a telltale symptom right away. If he was always the quiet type, he wasn't going to get more talkative later on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's a phrase that I often use. The first part is not mine. The second part is mine. What you see is what you get. That's not mine. Here's mine. 
The only thing that's going to change is you're going to get more of it. Because again, in the beginning, everybody's putting their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. So when they relax, when they feel comfortable, when they feel like, okay, you know, we're in this committed relationship, I don't have to try as hard, then they slip more into what they are naturally. So somebody who's quiet originally isn't going to become gregarious later on in the relationship. So again, you know, in the beginning, you show an interest, you ask about the person's day, you pay attention, whatever, but that's not necessarily emotionally available. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, it, it, it makes me think, I don't know if you've ever seen this show, it's, it's off the air now, but um, Dexter... Sure. Oh, I, that was one of my things. Yeah. So I, I think of I think of Dexter a lot because he would just basically, for those who aren't uh, familiar with the show, he was a killer, uh, forensic um, scientist, worked at the police department, and he was also a killer taking out bad guys. But he was this emotionally unavailable. I mean, a lot more problems than that. But he would go around faking interactions, feigning interest in what people were telling him, but. I suppose if you looked closely, he was never opening up himself to his own right. feelings, just asking people what they wanted to hear, uh, exactly. getting getting and, out of them what they wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a very good example. Um, okay. So you actually mentioned um, when I asked my first question about uh, if you are emotionally unavailable, is this something that stems back or can this be um, – something that pops up later and you mentioned that there could be something temporary going on that could be making the, your husband emotionally unavailable. So uh, for example, there might be a project at work that's causing a lot of stress and you know, kind of leaning, pushing you to shut down a little bit, or maybe you had a loss in the family. Absolutely. Um, so what is the best way to ride this out or should you ride this out if you know that your husband is having a tough time? And by the way, I keep going back to this husband thing. I'm, I'm obviously being um, generic in this assessment. We, we know women can be the same thing, but just yes, to make but the conversation simple. It is going to be the man who's yeah. emotionally unavailable. Yeah. Um, so, so anyways, so what would be the best way to ride this out if you, if you recognize that this is a temporary, isolated type of thing? Um, or should you not ride it out and try to work through it? Well, if the, the working through it is where you basically accept it and ride it out. I mean, if you're suggesting that you try to push him, um, I don't think that that's helpful. I think, you know, you can try to be supportive of him. You can, you know, I think at that point, it's a matter of what can I do for you? What can I do to help you get through this rough period? But if it, you know, um, to me, when I hear be emotionally available, it's a request for something from him for you. And if he is stressed either because there's a project at work or because he, you know, has just suffered a loss, he's depleted and he needs your support. So for you to then, you know, want him to give you something is, you know, is really not fair. It's, pi- now, it's almost piling on because you're asking even more of him. That's correct. Yeah. Now, what you might be thinking, because I'm, I'm hearing some women say, wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. You know, you might want to say, well, what about asking him to share his feelings? You know, that's being emotionally available, opening up and sharing his feelings about the loss or, you know, what's going on at work. Mm-hmm. Men generally don't do that. That's not a typical male kind of thing. And if they do, they generally need to process 
before they can talk about it. In other words, they're going to have a delayed reaction. So again, you can offer it and say, you know, is there something you want to talk about? You know, is there so, so are there some feelings you want to share? But if the answer, which is likely going to be no, let it go, write it out, don't push. Mm. Okay. Um, if you aren't getting the emotional support that you want as a wife, wh- like how can you break through or what, what, what should you do about that in, in regard to your husband? Well, if you've married a guy who's not emotionally available, it may be tough to break through to him. If you've married a guy who pretty much is available, but, you know, periodically slips off the grid, um, I think that you have to sort of do your check-ins and talk and bring it up. Now, again, women are going to say, you know, they're going to be squawking. Why should I have to be the one to do it? Um, you know, why is it always my job? Well, the reality is that a woman has a better pulse on the relationship. And it is highly unlikely that a guy is going to bring it up and say, hey, I noticed that we haven't been connecting lately. Um, you know, by, by sorry to interrupt, but might it also be that the guy doesn't need it and, and the wife does? Yes. Or, you know, number one, he may not need it. And number two, he generally isn't going to initiate it. Um, he may not be picking it up. I mean, there's any number of reasons. You know, guys tend to have the reaction of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, my husband and I are married almost 40 years, and I still tend, and, and he, by the way, happens to be a sensitive guy. Mm-hmm. He's not one of those macho, you know, like won't ask for directions kind of guy. Um, and I still am the one that says, I've noticed our energy is off or, you know, we're off track or whatever else. And he said to me, you're always so much better at, you know, noticing when we, when we need to, you know, do some repair. Um, Which by the way, just shows how thoughtful he is to even recognize that. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, So, but the point is that I think if women would realize that it's not that a guy is withholding They're just not built. We're not built the same. Biologically, we're not built the same. You know, there are just so many differences other than the obvious Mars-Venus stuff. There are just so many biological differences, and a guy just isn't going to see it. And so, you know, I think that if you can go to your guy and say, here's what I'm noticing, and I think, you know, we sort of have to um, be a little bit more mindful um, be more a little aware, and he is okay with that. Then, then that's a win-win. Yeah, it, it's interesting because uh, very much to your scenario, my wife and I have the same types of conversations, particularly when we both have busy weeks, mm-hmm. um, which is quite frequent for both of us. Um, but if it seems like maybe maybe we skip the date night or something like that. Uh, and you're right because now when, when you're talking about it, I was thinking I, I'm never the guy, I'm never the one that goes to her or I should say never rarely is, am I the one that goes, approaches her and says we should do something. But, um, she, whenever we have these really busy weeks, you look at the business that you do and look at how much sensitivity and knowledge you bring to all of our podcasts and yet you don't do it either. Yeah, no, and and it so she will come up to me and just say something to the effect of, "Oh, we should 
we should do something on Friday night or this weekend or whatever um, because we haven't had the normal amount of connection during the week that we normally have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I know that. Um, and I guess for me as, and, and I'll take the guy's stance here. Part of it is, well, when the weekend comes, I will just ask her, let's go do something mm-hmm. where she wants to make sure that it's kind of put in stone. And I think that having, um, that commitment earlier on in the week helps her deal with the lack of it on say like a Thursday and Friday because mm-hmm. she knows it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I'm just like, well, I know what's not going to happen on Thursday and Friday. And then on Saturday, Friday or Saturday, I'll just say like, Hey, let's go do something. Right. Right. Anywho, but you're right. I, I like, you know, I like to say that I try to practice what I preach here and I do uh, pretty much on everything we talk about. Um, but I, it, part of this is also just being aware because I could be a real jerk about it too. When she comes up to me and says those things like, Hey, we should do something this weekend. I could just say like, no, I'm busy. I got a lot of things to do, but listening to the podcast, reading the articles, editing, writing myself, doing this stuff, doing all the research that I do myself. Um, I'm able to, at least if I'm not being proactive about it and maybe I'm, that's just not the way I'm built and guys, other guys aren't either. At least I'm able to recognize it. And I think that's half the battle being able to pick up on all those signals. Absolutely. And here's another thing and not take it as if you've done something wrong. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. As you like to point out, being mindful of the situation. Right. Right. Um, Okay. So now what, this is actually a perfect segue for my next question for you. What can a husband do? What can I do <laughs> uh, to be more mindful of the situation? Really? I mean, if you're not built to be mindful of that stuff, then you're not. So the only thing I'm going to say is since guys love their gadgets, plug it into your into your iPhone calendar or something. You know, ask so-and-so, do a check-in make a plan because it's not going to be something you're going to think of likely. You're really? going to, yeah. So I, there's, I there's so. no, like I couldn't, um, I couldn't do like read up on this stuff, get the hitch newsletter every week well, and then be and, people should get the hitch newsletter every week. But in all practicality, Steve, who does that stuff? It's the women. And thousands, then, thousands do it. Men. Yeah. We actually, I will say this. Uh, roughly half of all the visitors to our website, hitchmag.com, are men. Wow. Yes. And I'll tell you why, by the way. I, I think I know the, the, the answer to this question. Because it's the internet which makes it anonymous. And uh-huh. men are able to essentially ask all the questions that they've ever wanted to know about marriage and relationships um, without any kind of blowback or um, opinion about them because they asked the question. I think, yes, I think you're right. I, I defer to you. <laughs> no, really. It actually, it kind of blew my mind. And I think part of it is when we created Hitch, we did a couple things intentionally. One is we wanted to try to make the design, the layout, the color scheme, gender neutral uh-huh. so that it would appeal or at least be inviting enough to men that they would read it. So mm-hmm. 
you know, Cosmo has relationship advice, but men don't read Cosmo. Right. At, at least I take that back. I do know that they have a percentage of male readership. It's nowhere near our readership levels of men. And I think part of it is because we are inviting to men. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also gets back to another issue that I have with Hitched. And if any of you readers, by the way, or listeners out there have any suggestions about how to crack this nut, I'm I'm all ears. Because it's so personal, because it's so anonymous, um, and because marriage is such a permanent thing, people aren't – it's easy to 